I want the fairy tale. I want the Prince Charming. She... <laughs> How do I put this? Isn't a fan of my kissing style. So we were boyfriend and girlfriend for about 12 hours. He's in a trash bin. He's non-recyclable. Catch you never. I love being in love. I love love. On today's episode of Where's Your Head At, we are welcoming Khan Ong into the studios. Not only has Khan been on MasterChef Australia and Survivor Australia, but he owns his own cooking book and has developed a menu for the George on Collins in Melbourne. Khan and I also went to school together, so we have known each other for a long time. Stay tuned to hear all about what Khan has coming up next and all about his dating life. Where's Your Head At is a podcast that talks all things relationships, breakups, reality TV, trending shows, and everything in between. This is your new go-to destination for laughs, gossip, intimate details, advice, and much more. Oh my god, hello. <laughs> hello, Khan. It's good to have you in the studio today. Um, well, we've actually already been in here for like 15 minutes and we've been laughing this whole time. So now it's really weird that like we're introing. <laughs> I know, but you got to get run with it. So Welcome. We've wanted to have you in for a while. So we're really excited to finally make this happen. Yeah, you know, this was all Matt's fault though. Like he booked in dates and then was like, I'll get back to you. And then doesn't get back to me for like two weeks. I'm like, those dates are gone. Like I- I'm doing other things now. <laughs> yeah. I like a little bit more foreplay in my conversations. (laughs) I'm not going to comment on that because there's a lot I can speak about. (laughs) I'm just going to like preface this so that everyone knows. Khan and Matt have a very flirty relationship. So so I'm feeling a little bit like a third wheel already and this has been like a 30 second interview so far. Look, I just know what Matt likes, okay? He loves compliments. He loves it when people tell him that he's pretty or when people play with his muscles or tell him how like how beautiful his teeth are. Like, he just loves that. So, when we're sitting there, Jen, me and Khan, it actually, it's pretty good because I've got Jen there as my girlfriend and then Khan's giving me all the compliments <laughs> and Jen's like, this is cool. It works for me. <laughs> Jen's like, I don't have to do any work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Matt's having his cake and eating it too. All right. So, Khan, you're also a DJ. How did you transition from music to food? Okay, so when I was in high school, I actually studied fashion. Um, I think you knew this. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a designer for ages. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I went to uni, studied fashion, but was kind of dabbling with DJing for a long time, like in high school at the yeah. end and then like towards my early 20s. And that became like my career. Like yeah. it just kind of blew up and went from like strength to strength. Yeah. But towards the end of it, so when I was 25, so I'm about eight years into the career now. Yeah. I fucking hated it. Like, you you know, the expectation to go out and be drunk Mm. and to have to perform every single day. And, like, people are like, oh, why don't you not drink? I'm like, the bookings actually dipped when I was having sober months because I'm more fun when I'm playing if I'm drunk. Yeah. I grew to resent it. Like, I just hated it. And then one of my best friends actually was like, "Mm, you should go on MasterChef. And I was like, no. And then she was like, okay, well, I've applied for MasterChef for you. And I was like, great. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like I'm doing it. That's the really impressive thing about you because obviously when I knew you, your whole dream was to be a fashion designer. Mm. And then you went into like this massive DJ in Melbourne. Everyone knew you. You were kind of getting booked for everything. Thank you. And then all of a sudden you're on MasterChef. And I was like, this guy just has so many (laughs) talents. Like you just had your foot in the door of kind of everything, which is super impressive. Look, I think 
millennials do that, right? Like yeah. we all yeah. do this thing where we have like many fingers in many pies. Mm. Um, we want to do everything in life. Mm. Nothing yeah. kind of stops us. If we have an interest, we want to do it. And that's kind of how I see life. Like yeah. right now we're circling back to the fashion thing because I'm working on a, another, like a, a label that's not a merch label <gasps> because I'm like, maybe we should go back there. This is, this is the merch. Like you've I'm got, wearing, Yeah, you've got You Are Loved label. Yeah, the You Are Loved one, Um, it kind of, went quiet for a while because I got really busy and I couldn't deal with it anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, but um, I found someone to now deal with it for me to look after like my oh, stock nice. and my orderings and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to pop back up. But yeah, I'm working on another label that's more street, that's more like the aesthetic is cutout pants and cowboy hats. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay. Not us. Oh, maybe for you. So that's really exciting. So you are delving back into fashion. Mm. That was one of my questions to you. Like, do you think you'll ever go back into fashion? And it's crazy that you are and you're getting on board with that again. Yeah, because I'm actually wearing one of my samples. These pants <gasps> oh my are one of my samples. Love. Anyway, can you see? There we go. I love. Just dropped a leg off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've been, I'm mean, in about it for years, but I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know like how it's going to go. And recently, in the last two years, I'm like, everything that I do seems to be fun, and I enjoy it, and yeah. I like doing it. So it's like. Why not just try it? So I've got someone else looking after it. I deal with the designs. I'm just like, can you do with the technical stuff? Like emailing people and just like, yeah. yep, Khan needs that sample today. Like someone else do that. That's I'm the worst at, I'm, I'm actually the worst at emails and text messages. As we man. know. Trying to organise this. But, if you, but like you play to your strengths. You, yeah. You've got a lot going on. Like I'm, I'm sure that you don't have time to be sending a million emails. Yeah. Okay. I think it comes down to commitment. And if it's in writing, I'm committed. So instead... I'll call people and be like, hey, let's do this. And then when they send me an email, I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, Khan, you're a master of many trades, but I want to kind of take it back mm. and just kind of understand a little bit about your life pre all of this amazing accomplishment. I'm very driven and I work hard. And I think that comes from my parents. Mum and dad came over to Australia in 92 no, okay. 93. They're refugees. So I was born in a refugee camp. So wow. mum and dad lived in a refugee camp in Indonesia for four years. And I was born there. Came over when I was two. Refugee camps in back then are totally different to refugee camps now. Refugee camps now are just glorified prisons, basically. Back then, it was more of a community. They were living on an island. They had housing and yeah. they all had jobs so that like they would work for money and or to trade things with like people that are waiting to get their forms um, dealt with. So their paperwork kind of worked out. So very different, but it was also really hard because mum's really funny. She doesn't tell me a lot, but once in a while when I'm like, I catch her on a good day, I'll ask her something and she'll be like, blah, 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 this happened. I was like... How did you not tell me that for like the last 19 years? Like, what, um, I think when I was at my first year of uni, mum was like, yeah, so when dad was um, on the boat with me, he had to dive under to fix a broken propeller in shark infested waters. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, sorry? Yeah, She's what? like, yeah, because we could see the sharks following us. And then like the boat was stopped. So like someone had to jump in and dad did it. And I was like... Uh, how, yeah. how have you not told me this? And she was like, yeah, and we were shot at by like pirates. And I was like... Are you lying or you know? She's like, no, no, it's true because pirates always go for refugee boats because all of those people's belongings, most valued things are on them because they're yeah. moving countries. They're leaving. Wow. So if they've got gold, they're taking it with them. They have money, they're taking them, them with them. Like everything that you have that's of value goes with you when you're leaving your country. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. 
Yeah. So I came over when I was two. We had absolutely zero. Mum was working for family. Dad was working for family. And then they slowly made enough money to then start their own business. Mum was working as a... Maybe this is where the fashion comes in. Because mum was a seamstress. And she was a sample maker for brands like Portman, Suzanne's and things like that. Because she was really good with a sewing machine. Yeah. Um, Dad worked as a butcher. And then when I was 10 or 11, they opened their own butcher shop, which is kind of mum's little baby now. Um, She's got, like, other stores and she's, like, really, like, changed everything. She has, like, a lot of, like, commercial real estate. But dad actually passed away when I was in year 10. But mum's used that as, like, her stepping stone to improve everything. But then she's got, like, this soft spot for the butcher shop where she's like, always just goes into the butcher shop, which is the cutest thing. Whereabouts is that? In Springvale. In Springvale. So um, it's called Tam's Asia Butcher. So mum changed the name. So now dad's name was Tam. Okay. Oh, Oh, no, she's so cute. That's beautiful. It's really interesting because obviously you've kind of taken little bits from yeah. both of your parents, which is so right? beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm assuming that that's just like subconsciously you've just kind of fallen into these similar passions. So I think I have this theory that what you want to do in life and your passions in life are connected to nostalgic moments that you had when you were younger or moments that you found happiness with like mum and dad I would only really see them after they were working in the kitchen when they were making dinner so that was always my happy place I would sit on a bench and like I would help mum like pick herbs or roll things and so cooking always reminds me of happiness that's beautiful. That is really cute. Aww, to know that there's that side kidding. of things. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm like, we're almost there. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm just going to pull that back a tiny Aww. bit so I don't start sobbing. <laughs> it must have been really hard for you losing your dad in year 10. Like you're mm. a teenager. Like there's so much involved in being a teenager and like the struggles that you're kind of navigating mm. through. How was that for you? I deal with loss really strangely and death really strangely. Like, um, so I watched my dad die and then the next day I went to school and pretended it didn't happen. Whoa. And I don't think many people knew that dad even passed away because yeah. I was just at school because I was like, yep, this is normal. The teachers knew because um, I was like late for like assignments and things and they're like, something's happening. And it's like, well, my dad's dead. Like, but but I, I used it in such a matter of fact way. It was nothing emotional attached to it. Okay. Um, and then it actually, I didn't get emotional about dad passing until two years later. And I was sitting in the car with my mom and she was asking me questions. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I really don't want to talk about this. And she said it like six times, like uh, kept asking me this same question six times or trying to talk about this subject. And so we were rolling to a, a stop and I literally just opened the door and rolled out. <laughs> Like just got out the car. I, just, I just like literally dropped and rolled out of the car. It was it wasn't traveling fast. It was probably ten k's because we were like rolling to a stop. But I was like mm. still like <gasps> yeah. And then but so it was traumatic. I know not me at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, really bad decision though because I had to walk home for like two and a half k's. Yeah, you regretted it then. Yeah. Like, oh. So like I guess like you. Even having to have that conversation, you'd prefer to basically roll out of a moving vehicle <laughs> yeah. and have the conversation. That's yeah. big, though. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I really just resented mum for no reason whatsoever. Like, I cracked it at her. And then as soon as I graduated, I applied for Central St. Martin's in London, which is a, a fashion design school. Mm. Got in, which I was so happy with, yeah. like, so proud of. Ran away, left the country, went to London, didn't really speak to mum. 
And then I hated London. I hated the cold. I hated that I didn't know anyone. Mm. I hated that people weren't nice. Like I would smile at someone in the shop and they wouldn't smile back. And I'm like, mm. why are you not smiling back at me? <laughs> yeah, that's, Be nice to me. <laughs> and um, the, the school itself is really, really competitive. Like for fourth year placements, you get put in like Chanel. Like you get put Whoa. in like McQueen. Like you get put in placements at these amazing um, mm. European design houses. So everyone's trying really hard. And I was just like, I have no one to hang out with. I have no friends. I have nothing to do. So I, I came home. And then I was like to mum, hey, for us to work, I don't think I can live at home. Like, I know this is my fault. Like, you've done nothing. But for me, I need space from you. But I did apologise as well. And we're, we're best friends now. I, I cooked it to dinner last night for Aww. her birthday. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I was like, I was a teenager. I was a jerk. And like, you didn't really deserve for me to just kind of cut you off. Yeah. But I did. Um, so that was really hard because... Um, yeah, because obviously what I was feeling, mum would have been feeling like a hundred times worse. Yeah. How long did you and your mum not talk for? Well, we were talking, but it was very like, I tolerate you yeah. kind of thing. And it was probably for about two years. Okay. Um, two years from like 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Yes, it was the end of 17, beginning of 19. Yeah, so that that was really difficult. And then like, because I'm really close with my sister. So I would just speak mm. to Amy and then my Amy would relay anything that mum had. Yeah. So she was kind of like the little middleman. Yeah. The one in yeah. I know. It was, oh, I love her. Mm. She's the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Amy, you went on Survivor with Amy. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? We didn't get to play together. <laughs> um, so the funny thing is my sister and I, we don't talk about our emotions a lot to each other. Yeah. yeah. Like I talk about her to other people, but to her, I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> but to other people, I'm like, she's the cutest thing in the world. She's so beautiful. She doesn't know it. So on Survivor, I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like we're not together. But every single time we did a challenge where I saw her, I started crying. <laughs> like every single time to the point that people were like, you're putting this on for the cameras. And I'm like... No. I'm actually not. Like, I'm just I like wish. I'm just emotionally unstable. Like, <laughs> how, um, how did she find being on Survivor and that? Because I know I've spoken to you before, and you said she's not really like that sort of stuff, likes the attention and all that sort of stuff. She doesn't like cameras. She didn't like attention. She didn't like any of that because she. Yeah, it wasn't for her. And then she went on and she's like, love it. Like, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah, like, she this is easy. Like, <laughs> she's like, and then towards the end now, she's like, she came out of it and she's like, people were sending me dresses and makeup. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> yeah, babe. Yeah. <laughs> you also put out a cookbook, which mm. you sent me, and I have... have you, yeah, I've yeah, used it as I was, well. Yeah, I was going to say. Did I send you one? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you sent a really nice little note in there as well. It was a nude, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you sent like... You said that you were going to cook me a recipe though, so you still haven't... Do you want to have dinner tonight? Uh, I could actually. <laughs> Do you want to come over? Yeah, I will. Okay. I've got to bring Jen. <laughs> oh, I love Jen. I, I actually really like Jen. Wait, we need to like clear that part up. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jen and I get along really well you because do. Jen kind of like... Bags Matt and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're my yeah, you're my knight that sticks up for me sometimes. Sometimes, but sometimes I'm like I've had a couple of drinks. I'm like yeah, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So the cooking book, mm-hmm. what goes? What's the process with that? How does it? Oh, that was a whirlwind. So I I always wanted a cookbook, like yeah. um, but I didn't want like a normal cookbook. I wanted it to to be like situational and like all about like. Um, your emotions, because I think food is really attached to memories and emotions. Yeah. So the cookbook itself is called A Gay Guy's Guide to Life, Love, Food. So love. that's a pug for myself. Yeah. <laughs> a pug for myself. Um, yeah, so it's split into chapters, like my family chapter. So it's like uh, traditional recipes that I have from home. And then it's my family that I choose. So family 
like my friends. So recipes yeah. I've made for my friends. And then Aww. there's a chapter on recipes for a broken heart. Oh, I so love it's that. like a breakup recipe. Yeah, so it's like carby, it's like nurturing, it's soul food. And then um recipes for your first date or like date night recipes. So things that you can share with someone else that looks really impressive, but it's like super easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the chapter that I like. Yeah, <laughs> and the last chapter's fun and it's called like um oh I don't know if I ended up calling it this, but um Originally, it was going to be called A Gay Guy's Guide to Being a Basic Bitch. <laughs> and it was, like, supposed to be, like, the most basic recipes that you just have to have in your arsenal. Yeah. 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 How long did I, it take you to write the recipes? So, recipes, I always have recipes. Like, I, I do them all the time. But the interesting thing is I was in Sri Lanka for a wedding when I was told that I was going on MasterChef or that I had, like, possibilities of going on MasterChef. And from that point to being on MasterChef, I had three months. Wow. And then I was like... I need to do something yeah. to sell while I'm on MasterChef. Yeah. And I was like, so I called my publisher and we've already been speaking about it. I'm like, okay, we need to like fast forward this because yeah, I've got yeah. three months until I start filming. And a cookbook usually takes like a year. Yeah. Yeah. So from that point, I was writing recipes every single day, wow. like writing copy for it because all of my recipes, there's all stories behind it because there's reasons why they're in those chapters. Mm. So I did that in about three months. We shot it in like November, just before I started filming. During MasterChef, I was still like dealing with like um, the copy, like, yeah, doing like amendments and stuff to it so that it could be ready for release by the time the show came out. So I literally did that book in three months. Well done. That's pretty Good nifty. Good on you, yeah, yeah pretty the nifty. hustle. Yeah. That's impressive. Oh, well, you need to because it's like yeah. you when you know you're going on a national TV show again, mm-hmm. um, I did it the first time, okay, yeah. so I knew what MasterChef could do for your career. Yeah. So I was like – there is so many eyeballs that are on you here that if you have something, it's going to do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. I didn't want to just go on and be like, I am here to continue cooking. It's like, nah, I've got a cookbook, I've got a restaurant, things, I'm like plug things. Yeah, yeah, yeah plug exactly. things. Yeah. That's it. You wore your brand the whole time on there as well, which is smart. Well, this wasn't originally going to be a brand. So, really? Yeah, so the, the reason that I had my, You Are Loved on my chest was I knew I wasn't allowed to wear branded stuff. You know that from TV yeah. shows. You can't wear things with massive brands on them. So instead I was like, I want a message for everyone. So the message is like every time you would see me, it just said that you are loved. That's so it's really like really beautiful. Yeah. And then when it aired the first week, it kind of went viral. And then everyone's like, "Where's this t-shirt from?" And I'm like, and you're like "Actually, it's mine." And then I was like, so I called um, Sweater Club, who I love. They're a Melbourne-based um, yeah. label that do um, embroidery, like um, custom embroidery and things like that. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey, do you reckon that I can get like a thousand of these t-shirts done?" <laughs> and she's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that happened in literally the week that it aired, and I was still on MasterChef. I was still competing because it airs while you're competing. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like there's a crossover for about, about a month. And then I called um, my friends at Minus Eighteen, a charity that I used to use when I was younger. They look after LGBTQIA plus youth. Um, they wow. throw events for young queer people. Um, like they do a queer formal, they throw like picnics and like events to meet other queer people. So I love them. That's yeah, awesome. That's really- yeah. And they're, and like when I called them, they're like, our slogan is you are loved. And I was like, shut up. This is like <laughs> meant to be. I just yeah. spat on your computer. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that. Save it for later. <laughs> um, yeah. So it all kind of aligned. Yeah. And so I was making these t-shirts to give to minus 18 and they went crazy i was ordering like a thousand every week because people were just like loving it and i think they loved the messaging behind it that it was like it started from something that was really natural it wasn't like oh i'm going on because i want to like sell a t-shirt it was like oh no this was supposed to be like a happy thing like for everyone yeah 
and then COVID hit, which meant it made it more important. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So like it was airing while COVID was just beginning. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important when you have like such a big following, like you do in such a big profile to spread a positive message. Yeah. yeah so for me, you know, you both would get this. You would get heaps of different charities approach you to do things. Mm. But if the charity isn't for you, doing it does, actually doesn't mean anything to yeah. you. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't mean anything to your fan base either because it's like, well, how does this align? Yeah, yeah. But like this, yeah, this was super authentic to me. And it's like, I reached out to them. I still work with Minus 18. I've been working with them for the last like three years now. And Amazing. I love everything that they do. Like, I applied to be on their board recently because I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I want to do more with you. I'm like, I love you. Um, and also, I'm not looking at you because every time I look at you, I start smiling. So I'm like, I'm just, that's why I've been looking at Anna this whole time. <laughs> and, um, I'm getting a lot of um, eye contact over here. I'm not yeah. getting a bit jealous. <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of MasterChef, you've been on there twice. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon you go on a third time to try and take that crown? <laughs> um, I think Australia's overseeing me lose MasterChef. So I don't think <laughs> I'm going to go on again. <laughs> okay, Khan, I am dying to hear all about your dating life, so we are going to talk about that next. All right, Khan, so we find you're pretty private with your dating life. You don't give much up on social media. So, what are you? Are you taken, single, in a situationship? What's the deal? <sighs> I, um, I'm single. Like, I, I have my, like... Guys that I constantly hang out with, but it's not like a friends with benefits thing. It's kind of like we might potentially get to that point, but we're like just not. And like I run away a lot. Okay. I thought I met one of your special men when we went for that walk. <laughs> Remember like, when we walked that hill, that double date? Oh <laughs> my god, he was for a little bit. He, I was oh like, oh my god, Khan's got a boyfriend, but no. Yeah, no, I was um, I was kind of seeing him for a good year or so. Yeah, I don't really put. Like, guys that I actually date or, like, see properly up on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, I was kind of in a relationship all through summer that people just didn't really know about. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'm so public with everything else. Yeah. But, like, I'm really bad with commitment. Like, I'm really bad with commitment. So, like, I feel as though if someone's actually on my Instagram and people know about them, <laughs> that I have to be more committed now. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that is a launch. That is a hard launch. Yeah, it's a hard launch. And I'm like, that's really not for me. Um <laughs> Um, Actually, Matt and I did have a conversation about this And it was all about like commitment, monogamy, things like that And um, my train of thought is um, I don't actually think monogamy is for me Okay, I think I'm more open and a polygamous I think that um, it's a kind of a little bit unnatural to be monogamous Because is it only like two species in the world That are monogamous And we're animals So it's kind of like Was this actually bred into us By like social pressures over time or And like Religions as well Yeah it, Like mm. this might not have been something That was natural for, for, for us as humans From the beginning of time But it's something that's grown To become embedded into our psyche yeah. We did want to touch on this because I remember, yeah, we had that conversation at my family Easter about it. You mean Jen? <laughs> and then we got at the family <laughs> Easter. <laughs> that Khan was my plus two. You didn't even come. Your <laughs> mum, like, you didn't come. I, I turned up before you. Your mum <laughs> and I were messaging, <laughs> and then well, I had lost my phone the night before. So, so. well, who's? Oh, well, that was your birthday. Yeah, that was my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Matt was asleep on a park bench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up without a phone and any idea what was going on. But yeah, we touched on the monogamy 
Well, actually, Jen and I had a conversation afterwards and I said, like, what's your opinion on it? And she said, she was like, well... Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a you open. <laughs> well, she actually answered right. She said, I don't want to sleep with any other guys but you. And because, you know, normally people say... You would die if she said anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, Your I ego like- would be <laughs> so bruised. I know, I've yeah. been like, what? <laughs> so, I said, yeah, true. I don't want to sleep with any other women, but I still... Perfect. <laughs> you said women. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else, should I say? <laughs> Anna has the same opinion as I do that, like, we find it uncomfortable to think of our partner sleeping with someone else. Yeah. <sighs> I don't. I think that... Sex is a very different thing than an like than an emotional relationship. Yeah, I agree. So I think that um maybe this is something that just happens for gay men because a lot of my friends oh, yeah. yeah are kind of the same train of thought as me where it's like I could have an emotional relationship with someone and be fine with them sleeping with someone else. There's a lot of gay relationships that are open yeah. that kind of you either play together, you play separately. But it's just more of like the consent from your partner that is important. It's yeah. not like a secretive thing. It's like, yeah. oh, I find him attractive. Can I fuck him? Or do you <laughs> want to fuck him together? Like, <laughs> I was, yeah, because I know a lot of gay couples that actually are really open mm. and like. Well, to you, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there has been invites thrown out. I said, I said, thank you, but no, thank you. But We know what you like, Matt. <laughs> Well, There's a bit of sexual tension in here, I have to say. I'm feeling I mean, it a little bit. I'm just Khan pulling just, it out. Khan just gives me so many compliments. I just get so flattered and get overwhelmed. <laughs> I actually think we have a really nice relationship. It's really fun. It is. Well, you it's told beautiful. me all you wanted was that and then you wouldn't talk to me again. Uh, yeah, I said to him, like, you know, the day that you actually put out, I'm going to be like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Khan just likes a chase, I think. <laughs> I, love, I actually do. So you put a story up on your Instagram a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah. Can's like, oh, no. Can't. What? What was story? <laughs> yeah, I left an impression on both Anna and myself. You drive past a billboard oh, and yes. it was of yourself and you know that your ex... Well, we'll get Khan to explain. So, when I went on Survivor, this is a really <laughs> lovely story. Um, when I went on Survivor and I was doing my publicity shots, I was speaking to the publicist at 10 and some execs at 10 and jokingly said... I don't care if I get multiple billboards. I just need the one. And the one billboard that I need has to be on the corner of Nepean Highway and South Road. The reason behind that is three of my ex-boyfriends have to drive through that intersection every day to and from work. I love it. As a joke. What happened? But seriously. <laughs> what happened? I turned up driving through one day. I was going to, I was going to like Southland or something and I was driving past and I was like, that is me on that billboard. And it literally just has, it's just my head and it says, King Khan. And I'm like, amazing. Like, thank you whoever listened to me and did that. But that was incredible. I did, two of them contacted me and thought, this was hilarious. I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> this is for you. As far as petty go, that is unreal. It that is petty, but it's like... Oh, no. It's tongue-in-cheek, it's, Yeah, it's unreal. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. What's your funniest dating story? Because, I mean, I know that you love dating. You have lots of great dating adventures. Is there one that sticks out? So, this guy asked me on a date probably three years ago now. And he's like, yeah, uh, let's go here, blah, 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 this time. Seven o'clock runs to turns around and we were supposed to be there at 7.30. He's like, hey, I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. I'm like, no issues. I just won't turn up yet either. Mm-hmm. Then I was on my way there and he goes, sorry, I'm really, really sorry to do this. It's going to be another 15. Hmm. I'm like, okay, 25 minutes late. 
gross. Um, <laughs> and I was, there, I was like, all right, I'll have a martini. I'll just wait. And then he was like, um, I'm on my way. I'm looking for a park. 20 minutes later. So right at this point, we're 45 minutes behind, right? Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is so annoying. But I'm also like two hour martinis deep. So I'm like, oh, happy. <laughs> um, but like, not like drunk. He turns up. He's obviously been to a festival because he is <laughs> sloshed off his face. Like, he could not like string a sentence together. He was like, Pinging hard, and I was just watching him, and he was just like, "Yeah, so how?" I'm like, "Oh my god, I cannot deal with this." So I literally was like, "Oh, um, so I've got to go into the restaurant because I thought we were gonna have dinner at seven. It's like now like eight thirty, nine o'clock. I'm gonna have to go into the restaurant. Like I just made an excuse, didn't have to go into work, but I was just like, I needed to run because I was like, who is late for like forty five minutes? Like, and then turns up absolutely slosh." Post-festival. Yeah, post-festival. What was the point of this? Like, <laughs> like, why did we organise it on this day? Why didn't we do yesterday or tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. But funny non-date story. About five years ago, I was hungover. Yeah. Snapchat was still a thing back then. So I was on Snapchat mm-hmm. and, like, it had a new feature where you could, like, be, like, send to group. Oh, I no. thought <laughs> send to group means... Like, you can group all your favourite people and you send them and it all sends individually. Oh, so, to make God. that, like, easier. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, hungover, send a cheeky photo, being like, what are you up to? Eight oh. guys into one group message <laughs> is there, just me naked. And then I go, and you know what? I stressed, I, like, I freaked out, so I left the group. <laughs> Organize a full like orgy. Yeah, and you I, got well, missed of, out on well, it. One of the guys was texting me. He's like, "Lol, we're still talking about like the group seal. Like they're, they're like they're, we're talking in the group. We're trying to figure out who everyone That's is. Like because so <laughs> yeah. I basically just went like the rotation was all there. Like <laughs> roster, yeah, so it was all there. One. Yeah, you needed to. That was like a scrap of the roster. Uh, yeah. Start fresh. Yeah. I was like, and block everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come. I want to know about the hardest breakup you've gone through. There's a guy that cheated on me, and that was really shit. Okay. Oh, oh my god, this is so fun. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So breakup you, story. Before you start, were you was it behind your back sneakily then? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so because this is the part of the story. This is why it's so fun. <laughs> okay. So I was like seeing this guy for like five ish months or so, and then one day we were like laying in bed. We weren't like we weren't monogamous or anything, and I was laying in bed and we were like. Hey, are you seeing anyone else? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I am too. And then he's like, yeah. Do you want to not? And I was like, okay. And he's like, so, like, are we monogamous? And he's like, I would like to be. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this because, like, you're fun. I like you. It was super hot too. And I was just like, yeah, very you. Like tall, <laughs> like the chiseled face. Wasn't like, he good a muscles. model as well? Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, yep, let's do this. No problems. I'm just going to move forward in the story a tiny bit, but then I'll explain it all. Um, he actually cheated on me the day after. <laughs> um, but I found out because I was... Um, I then broke up with him pretty much like a month after that because I wasn't into it anymore. But we were monogamous for that month, okay, until I broke up with him. And then I was out one day talking to um, some mates and one of them was like, oh, yes, I slept with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my ex-boyfriend. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, it was just before Polo. And I was like... (laughs) 
I was like, wait, just before polo is in like the day before polo or like before that? And he goes, no, like just before polo is in like the day before polo. And I was like, oh no. Oh. Uh, he asked me to like be no monogamous <laughs> with him two days before polo. And then, like, cause so like there were like town timestamps. And I was like so angry because I was like, Wait, why did you ask me yeah. to be monogamous if we were going to continue doing what we were doing anyway? Yeah. Like, you should, we should have just not done that. That was the dumbest thing ever. So he ended up at the same bar we were at. And I was like, you, <laughs> you cheated on me with him. Like, <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm like, you slept with him before Polo, yeah? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, you slept with him before Polo and you asked me, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, yeah, but then you broke up with me a month later. I'm like, but no, at the no. time, yeah, you yeah. still cheated on yeah. me. Like, yeah. it do- that doesn't get erased because I broke up with you. Like, uh-uh. no. Anyway, just got really animated about that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with monogamy, though. It's like if one person is saying they want to be monogamous so mm. that the other person isn't sleeping with other people, but they still want to do yeah. it. Like, that's not fair. And that's where it, the problem lies. I said it to you at the time. It sounded like he just wanted his cake. And yeah. It, really. Yeah, like, I'm like, what was the point? Like, literally, what was the point of that? And then he, he full-on gaslit me and was like... Like, we weren't really monogamous. I was like, you literally were in my bed and we had this conversation. I remember looking up at my boxes because I found it really awkward. So I, I looked up at these boxes and I counted my boxes. So I know this conversation happened because I literally have a vivid memory of it and what I was feeling at the time. So it definitely happened. And he was like, no, it didn't happen. And I was like... And then I was insane because I was at this bar being like, you fucking cheated on me! <laughs> That's so <funny. laughs> Uh, and then, like, I saw him, I think, oh, two months ago, we were out. He's got a new boyfriend. I was like, I'm really happy for you. And he's like, I'm really sorry for, like, everything. And I was like, thank you. We're still not friends. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, I was like, I'm not, we're not doing this. Okay, we're going to do a bit of a change of pace. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind us asking, how did you first come out to your friends and family? And what age were you? I came out twice. I came out when I was 11. Very early, 12 maybe, okay. year, year six to friends first, and it was all fine. Then I went to Halebury yeah. and disappeared for a bit and like went back in. Okay. I went to Melbourne High. I was still in the closet, back in the closet. Because, um, you know, I, we were just starting the parallel education thing when I was in yeah. year seven at Halebury. So for those who don't know, Halebury is a parallel education school where they have females and males and probably now all genders in the middle there, but they are not in the same classes. So it's yeah. not a co-ed class. So I didn't feel really comfortable. So I was like back in the closet. Then I came back to Halebury and I came out again in like in 10 yeah. or something like that. Well, uh, yeah. When I came back to Halebury was when I came out because I was like, yeah, we're done with this. Yeah. Um, then I came out to mum and I thought it was going to be the most difficult thing that I like ever do. I was like mm. literally shitting myself and I did it. She kind of like piss her off because this was like after dad died. So I was like trying to piss her off. And so I came out to her and she goes, Great, well, let's send you to Vietnam. I was like, yep, she's sending me to a detention center, like camp or like, like something like a conversion therapy place. So she goes, yeah, because the LGBTQ um, community is very big in Vietnam. Let's make you famous in Vietnam. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm like, why are you not angry at me? Why are you not upset? And why are you so supportive? Did you think she had like the old school sort of moral sort of yeah. thing? Real, like- yeah, I thought that it was going to be like a very, because like being gay at the time, like, 12, 13 years ago, because we're young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in um, Vietnam or in Vietnamese culture, wasn't really something that was spoken about. So I just thought that, like, oh, this is going to be really hard. But mum has, like, been the most supportive person ever. So I, I'm very lucky because that's not everyone's story. 
Yeah. I still was scared. And then like, but the, the funny thing is when you come out, you also don't fully come out because as queer people, we have like this self that we kind of put on for people that we think is appropriate for the community. And then we have our real self that we are with people of the community. So that was kind of me for the first few years where I was like, yeah, be gay, but don't be so gay that it is like an issue for anyone. And then when I went on MasterChef the first time towards the middle of it, it was when I was like, nah, fuck everyone. Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I didn't care anymore. And that was because of the reception from the Australian people, like the people that were watching and they were like so supportive of me. They were so kind to me. The judges were then so kind to me. Um, So, like, at the beginning, I was, like, dulling down my personality, like, changing the way that I spoke. I was very rigid. Mm. And about halfway through, I was, like, speaking with my hands and being like, (laughs) this dish is about blah, 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 blah. I I think I called called one of my dishes that won a challenge my drunken sticky date. And then then, um, (laughs) Matt was like, why is it called a drunken sticky date? I'm like, that's how all dates should end. (laughs) And this was, like, on national TV. They cut that part. But I was like, yeah, but they still called it my drunken sticky date. I love that. And it was a sticky date pudding (laughs) with, like, a whiskey caramel and, like, a cinnamon ice cream. So it's like... It's drunk because there's whiskey on it and it's a sticky date. Yeah. Because it's like a sticky date pudding, but it's like, it's my drunken sticky date. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. To um, any of our listeners that are listening and they're still in the closet and they're worried about coming out to their friends and family, do you have any advice for them? And It's going to be the best thing that you ever do because anyone that you think may not be supportive of you shouldn't be in your life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that has those pressures put on them like or that are putting that pressure on other people like you shouldn't really be in contact with those people so if you come out and it's received badly it might be scary but you'll find your people the people that will support you the people that are your people the people that will embrace you and celebrate you and you will never be happier because it's really hard to hide your authentic self Mm -hmm. to make other people happy so you really should not have to do that there's great great people that can help you speak to minus 18 minus 18 are a great resource um the queer center in st kilda like literally a great place to um speak to i know sometimes it's hard because you don't want to reach out but i found it when you surround yourself with people that are like you you become more confident and you can become happier and a lot of the time what we think will happen is the worst case scenario that isn't going to happen sometimes it does and that's scary but most of the times it won't Mm. yeah proof this is what happened with your mum she was very receptive to it yeah 100% Khan it's been so amazing having you in the studio today I've learned so much about you which is crazy because I've known you for so long yeah thank you for opening up and sharing all of your amazing stories yeah Yeah. it's been great having you in we finally organised it I finally replied to you or you finally replied to me (laughs) let's not get into it I know (laughs) and we're honestly really excited for everything that's in store for you we'll Mm. all be keeping an eye out and thanks again Thank you so much for having me. Love you guys. Love you. <laughs> Love you too, bro. <laughs>